Hello and welcome to the Horror Ible Podcast. I'm your host, C.M. Cooper. Today we will be looking at a movie based on a Stephen King book, Storm of the Century. Now, it's not really a movie. I misspoke. It's a miniseries. And, you know, I gotta say, it wouldn't be bad if it was a movie, I guess. I mean, there's some problems I have. I think most of it stems from, it's a little boring, and I know this beast is a hundred, or, sorry, 266 minutes long. Which is over four hours. Um, And I know it's really hard to make a premise like that. I mean, four hours, that's a long time for you to be entertained by one movie, one premise. Uh, I really gotta say, though, I mean, that's my biggest problem with it. It's kind of boring. There's a lot of the same shots. Uh, basically, what happens, there's a big storm, so people can't get in or out of this island. The island is in Maine. And uh, a mysterious stranger comes to town. Uh, he gets arrested because he murdered someone. And, you know, stuff happens from there. I'll, I'll be reading a um, a plot uh, thing I found off uh, Wikipedia to better explain it than I did. Uh, and then we'll go over some problems I had with it. But some things I really did like, I really did like that they tied it in with something historical. Uh, what I didn't like is they didn't explain what the... Uh, character, Aaron Linoge, sorry, Andre Linoge, my bad, I, Aaron Linoge, I don't know, Aaron Linoge, uh, so he's like this, I'll just say entity, but, I mean, he's, he's an entity that, uh, excuse me for a second, he's an So, Andre Linoge is seen as a, uh, I guess you could say, like, uh, you know, an entity kind of thing, um, his form, I guess you could say, when we see at the end of the movie what he really looks like is kind of, he kind of looks like a weird, like, wizard guy. So, the reason why we know what he does in Little Tall, which is the name of the place, which I think is... Um, I mean, it's not too great of a name. I mean, why not, like, Little Island? I don't know. Something Island. It's on an island. Why not? Something I have a problem with, really, is I wish they would explain what he normally does or something, because that really... I mean, unless they were looking for, like, a a fourth one, what... Because it takes place... This guy apparently has also been to Roanoke. Which, if you don't know, is a colony that was supposed to be settled here in America. But when some ships came to supply it, everyone had vanished. And to this day, they still haven't found too many traces of people. All they found was a carving in a tree, I believe it was. So, I, I don't know what he really does because... 
he was looking for, in Little Tall, he was looking for a protege, I guess you could say it was. Um, he was looking for a protege because he was getting older. But it said, he said he had lived for, Andre Linoge said he had lived for thousands of years. So, he, I don't think he should, I don't think he would be there for another protege, because he wanted a, he wanted a, uh, he wanted a child now. So, I'm not sure what happened to the people in Little Tall, because this one, the people had a choice. He could, they could vote, the townspeople could vote to all of them get murdered, or they send one kid to be his protege or whatever, who would not get murdered, he would just learn from him. So I will be reading off this Wikipedia um, to just give you guys a little recap of the movie. A very powerful blizzard hits the fictional small town of Little Tall Island off the coast of Maine. The storm is so powerful that all access to the island is cut off and no one is able to leave. While trying to deal with the storm, tragedy strikes when an elderly woman town resident named Martha Clarendon is brutally murdered by Andre Lenoge, a menacing stranger with a black decorated silver wolf's head cane. So, this is one problem I don't have, or let me keep reading it, I'll explain to you. Lenoge is arrested by the supermarket manager and part-time constable Michael Mike Anderson, Tim played by Timothy Daly, and his friend and deputy, Alton Hatch, or Hatcher. His nickname is Hatch. As he is taken to his cell, Lenoge makes passing remarks at nearby townspeople, revealing he knows a secret about all of them. Lenoge gives no hint of his origins or motives, simply saying, give me what I want and I'll go away. So, to me, it was a while back when he said Lenoge uh, was caught at someone's house after being murdered. He stayed at the house. So he, the woman, and how he was mur how. So the way they found out, uh, Martha Clarendon was brutally murdered, was a uh, a boy, uh, probably thirteen, fourteen, had found her dead, and he murdered and there was someone sitting in the house and he runs screaming someone killed mrs clariton and so the people act like this is a problem i have throughout the movie is the people's reaction to stuff is completely completely like i would say out of character for most people like they're like what has gotten into you and they're mad at him so one of the uh, mayor, I guess, he's called something else, but I just, I've called him the mayor, goes down there, and then he sees a person there, he finds the dead body, he sees a person there, and then goes, who, who are you? Like, wouldn't you get out of there? Because, I mean, you see the dead body, you heard someone say a kid, the murderer was still there, you see a guy there with a dead body, and he goes, and he confronts him. And then he leaves after he tells he tells uh, a secret that um, he tells him a secret. Uh, 
and then he leaves because he's psychic and he knows everyone's secrets. And that's also, but I don't know why the townspeople know that he's secret because there are only two examples that I could think of that really could see how there's, uh, that could show he's psychic. One was, as I was reading, was the, um, the grocery store. And what happened in the grocery store is he told people secrets. But you could also chalk that up to, like, being a stalker. Which, I mean, we know that's not real. Or we know that he's, uh, something's wrong because actually in the, in the, um, house we see his eyes turn, like, like, all black, right? So we know there's something, like, wrong. And, but... I don't think not many people know that. And another one was, so, Mike, the uh, constable, I'm going to be saying that now because all the names and stuff, I got totally confused. Uh, so I'm going to say Mike, the constable, Mike, the sheriff, or, uh, you know, Deputy Hatch or what, Hatch, Hatcher, because I got confused. So, pretty much what happened was, what happened was, um, so, Mike was, um, oh, so, Linoge, okay, no one, so, like they said, no one hints his motives or anything, but, um, Mike's wife, okay, sorry, for, for losing train of thought, Mike's wife is... Um, she takes care, she has a little daycare at their house. So, anyway, Mike's wife, or Mike's wife is watching the kids, and she gets a call, and, uh, the deputy's daughter, uh, Hatch's daughter, um, her head got stuck in the banister, and, um, they needed a, uh, they needed to remove it, and, uh, they did, they just, they, uh, removed it, um, and so Mike walks into the police office, and someone asks, uh, is little Pippa okay? Which is the name of the, plus who would name their kid Pippa, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so Pippa, they name their kid Pippa, I guess, and someone asks if she's okay, and uh, he goes, whoa, that was fast, and sh the uh, woman who asked said, um, word travels fast around uh, the small island. So, or word travels faster on small towns, something like that. So that's the only reason I could think maybe the people went home and gossiped and said, oh, this guy must be psychic or something. But I could see people not really believing that because it's like, what? Like, he's psychic? I don't know. They believe it way too easy, and that's just a probably one of the biggest problems with the thing I have. I mean, it's not actually that bad of a movie, and I thought it would have been a pretty good movie. It would have been a... An okay movie. I wouldn't have had have a lot of problems if it was a movie, not a mini series that is two hundred and sixty six minutes long. Okay, so he says, "Give me what I want, and I'll go away." Which he also expands upon, but we never get to hear what he wants. He tells the the uh, Mike what he wants, so I'm not. So, but I don't know what he tells him because he's surprised when he hear what when uh, he hears what he wants. So. I don't know. While imprisoned, Linoge affects the town, inflicting terrifying dreams, driving people to commit suicide, and possessing a young man to force to kill himself. 
uh, act, uh, to kill his girlfriend. Actually, okay, sorry, this is kind of bad. So the girlfriend actually kills him, and he, she says the cane made her do it. So I'm not sure what the cane's powers are, if you have to touch the cane, but we don't see that from the other guys. So it's not too great on, like, explaining what his powers are, but that's, I mean, so anyway, she murders him, and then she says the cane made him do it, so then they don't arrest her or anything, because I'm not sure how they don't assume that she's kind of crazy, which it's like, oh, maybe they just feel bad. Nope. Because in a later scene, you see her alone with all the children because one of the ladies has to go find her husband. And they don't even keep that much track of the children because this is what I'm confused about is how do they, they're, they're not too worried about the children. So that's why it believes me like, oh, this guy must be psychic or something because if they thought it was just a murder going around killing people, then they wouldn't like just leave their kids pretty much unattended or just say, oh, they're somewhere else. When they're like, oh, where's this person? Oh, they're somewhere else. Uh, I, so she, she's left alone with kids after they know her, she killed her boyfriend. She admits to it. She says the cane made her do it. So, I'm not sure really what they believe, and I don't know where they stand on this. Like, I'm pretty sure they all know that, but I really don't know where they got this information, which really was the big thing for me, like, what's going on now? Because, I mean, just stories about, like, I, I would think it's a murderer, right? I mean, like, just a crazy guy, but, I mean, they seem to all think that he's psychic because they all seem to understand, well, most people seem to understand that that lady's innocent, uh... And that she was controlled by the cane. But how did they know that? Because time, because uh, word travels fast? See, I'm not sure about that. Because, like, that's what they believe just because they heard a rumor? Okay. Enough, and enough to trust them. So they truly believe that, too. To leave their kids alone with her? Okay. A young... Okay. When, a, when the man resists... Okay. Uh... So... Later, Linoge, so he pretty soon reveals his true form. Uh, he's dressed like a sorcerer, I guess. That's what it says. You know, wizard. And uh, he leaves the cell after Hat, after telling Hatch he will go away, and then he'll get what he wants. While looking for Linoge, Mike realizes the stranger's surname is an anagram for Legion. Which, I mean, I think you just like, switch a couple words around. I'm not sure. Anagram. I mean, it's more like switch, like, three words. You know what? I'll, whatever. So, so, is a word for legion. A collective group of demons exercised by Jesus according to the Gospel of Mark and Gospel of Luke. The next day, lost resident Angie Carver is discovered and reveals Linoge kidnapped her to display magical abilities. She repeats his claim that if he doesn't get what he wants, he will cause a mass suicide. Here's the tie-in. As he did at Roanoke Island, Virginia, centuries before. All eight of the town's young children, including Mike's son, Ralphie, are then, enchant 
are enchanted in singing I'm a Little Teapot before falling into a coma-like state. Uh, so what they don't mention here is after they touch the dog cane, but the adults can't see the dog cane. So when they touch the dog cane, he dies. Or they don't die, they, they are put into... I'm not sure what it is, like a state of... See, I don't know, because they are, they're breathing normal and all their vitals are normal, so they're not dead, and then just they get awoken. Uh, after they touch this dog cane, and the wolf, and it, when we see the dog cane, it doesn't look like a wolf anymore. It looks like a, like a lovable pooch. You know what I mean? It just looks like a lovable little, uh, kind of like a St. Bernard, you know? Like, it just go, it's just like, so you'd see why you'd want to pet it, and when they go to pet it, they all... Um, they all fall down, and I, I'll just say go into a coma. Um, so, I mean, they go into a coma, and, uh, the lady, the lady who killed her boyfriend freaks out. Um, so, um, Mike's son, okay, uh, they're, uh, falling into a coma-like state. Uh, Linoge arrives at the town hall claiming he will kill all eight children. So we see the children. We see the children. Um, like, he's... He's linked arms and arms with them flying around in a different state. And he says that he's also there. So I'm confused what he means by that. So it's kind of like he's there, but he's not, because he's also in a different realm with the children. Uh, a spirit realm, if you will, unless one of them is given to him. He reveals that he is thousands of years old, but but not a mortal, and he is now dying and sick. He desires a protege to raise and teach who can carry on his work. See, I'd really like to go more in depth on what his work is. He wishes the child to be freely given and promises the child will become like him, long-lived and powerful. He cannot simply take a child by force, but he can punish the town if they refuse to give him the child. He threatens to force them all to die. He leaves the townspeople an hour and a half to make their decision. Half an hour to make their decision. So, Mike is actually one of the only people who says, are you kidding? You know, we need to fight as a town. So, Mike begs the town to refuse the request, arguing the villain is not all-powerful and he may soon leave the town as the storm will if they must trust in God and their own power. He appeals to their common decency and points out that they may be aiding an evil man to cause harm to their children. The other townspeople, including Mike's, Mike's wife, Molly, fear Linoge and, and think that they have no choice. They argue... Uh, this is not a human sacrifice, but an adoption. And, you know, you think Mike would be a believer of what this guy could do because, you know, I, well, you know, but he also read a lot in the Bible and saw a pastor on TV talking about this. So I could see where he would be conflicted, but he's seen the powers of Linoge. But I think Mike is all in all a good person, so that's why he doesn't want to just give up a child. Uh, but they're saying it's not really giving up, it's more like handing it up, I, well, I, yeah, giving it up, but they're, but they're not gonna die, you know, they're gonna be, uh, 
alive and happy. We see this way la- we, we see this later on. And uh, I kind of spoiled the ending, but whatever. Uh, you're you're listening to a podcast, right? So you probably already seen it. Fear Linoge and things. Okay, they argue. Uh, so they do a vote, and um, what happens is almost everyone votes that they have to. They just give one child away, and so he's all, "Are you crazy? You know, you can't really. That's ridiculous." Uh, that's what Mike says. And so, how they choose what child is taken is, uh, Linoge has rocks, and there are seven white ones and one black one. And if you get the black one, your child will be taken to him, but if you get the white one, it's not. And they have one parent of each child come up, and... She take and uh, Molly grabs one, and turns out it is the black one. And her son is taken away. Um, so this is marking Ralphie will be taken away. Um, Linoge transforms into his true form, uh, suggesting they will be happier if you do not real. And he says that the town will be a lot better if they don't talk about what they've seen here, which like. I mean, I could see, like, why, why they would, but it's it's hard to me to for me to tell. Like, why is he worried about no one? Why is he worried about people like knowing who he is? It seems like, I mean, first of all, that's probably a fake name, like Andre Lanoge. Okay. Um, second of all. Like, why does it matter? Like, he's a demon or whatever. Who's going to believe that? So, um, so Molly shouts to him, which, like, actually, believe it or not, this is what happened was Mike said, okay, my son Ralphie is not part of the draw. And the wife said, or Molly said, yes, he is. He's part of this town. So that, so he was, Mike was trying to get his son exempt from being chosen to go with Linoge. And the wife said, nope. We are exempt. We should not be exempt from Linoge because we went, you know, we're a part of this town. Um. So, Mike tries to save Ralphie, but he is held back by Hatch and the others, his friend, and uh, he's regretting his choice. Molly shouts at Mike. Um, accuse Mike shouts. Molly actually shouts at Linoge, saying, "You tricked us." And uh, Linoge remarks to the townspeople that uh, they've all tricked themselves. And eventually, uh, Linoge will be called father by his new protege. Um, which I think is weird because protege, like, when you say son, I, wanna, I want a son to pass my things if they're going to call me father. Uh, eventually, so we'll call him father carrying the child. Linoge flies off into the night. I mean, I don't, yeah, he kind of, like, floats upwards, um, so, and then we kind of see the following summer what happens, uh, Molly discusses her now failing marriage with a therapist, um, and she says, actually, Ralphie was lost in the storm, I, I, I believe she, she said, uh, she fell, she fell in, and, um, the therapist said, like, you know, you're not telling me the whole story, and until you do, 
tell anybody, it's just going to fester inside you and you won't be able to move past this. Uh, so, Mike is unable to accept his son, pretty much, and he blames Molly, which, I mean, I know she kind of didn't have a choice, but I could see why he would, actually, because, I mean, she did say he was part of this whole thing, um, so, Molly's, okay, um, I could see why he would blame her, um, so, he's gonna leave Little Tall and divorce Molly. Um, he settles in San Francisco, eventually becoming a U.S. Marshal. Uh, as time passes, he hears of several Little Tall committing suicide over the years. Uh, actually, Hatch's wife, the deputy, does. And, uh, it's sad, but uh, a lot of people died back then, or... Hatch, now a widower, marries Molly, uh, and Mike is happy, so, Hatch marries, I guess, his friend's wife after they leave, which, I mean, whatever, right? So, Mike is actually fine with this, um, Mike, so, yeah, Mike moves to San Francisco, becomes a U.S. Marshal, um, so he notices an, he notices an old man and a, uh, teenage boy. Uh, and a teenage boy walking together. So, I almost forgot to mention, Ralphie has a birthmark on his nose that his son, or his, um, his father calls, I think it's his fairy mark. But, what I think is weird is, Andre Linoge picks him up in the supermarket, like, before all this, when he's just a little baby, or little kid, because he's probably one or, he's probably like almost three, four. So, he picks him up, and says, oh, you know, you got a fairy mark there. And then he's all like, that's what my daddy calls it. Um, and so I personally think that Linoge has like a connection with this kid. Because there are multiple occasions where this kid is a, like is seen with Linoge. But I'm not sure if all the other kids are seen with Linoge as much as he is. Because they make a big deal out of it when he is. So I don't think it's like everyone sees him. Um, so... He hears them both humming, I'm a little teapot. Uh, he calls out to Ralphie, and they both turn to face him, the old man resembling Linoge, while the boy hisses with a fanged mouth. So that's one thing that I really didn't understand about the whole movie is the fanged mouth thing. So obviously he's not human, I get that. But, I mean, that's how he shows it, too. Like, there's only a couple ways was his eyes turn all black, he has, like, red eyes, and he has this thing where his mouth is all, like, fanged and stuff. Which he does randomly, which I thought didn't make too much of sense. Uh, so Mike chases them, but they vanish into an alley. So Mike considers telling Molly that, um, what he saw, but he decides against it. He sometimes wonders if this is the wrong decision, then admits, um, he's in, in the narrator... In daylight, I know better. So, I mean, you know, it's not a movie that would really turn my head. It's, I mean, this is called the Horror Able Podcast. But, I mean, it's not horror-able. It's not horrible. Um, 
but I was really surprised by, like, how much a lot of people like this. I believe uh, on Google or whatever, it said 93% of people like this. Uh, the average tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes is 82%. The average audience score is 83%. And I believe on IMDb, it got like a 7.2 or a 7.3 or 7.4 on or 7.5, I don't know, on, um, somewhere in between the, in the sevens point something, um, I think, um, mid to higher seven, um, or lower, I, okay, it's something in the sevens, let me look that up, uh, but I was just really shocked, uh, how, how well this was, yeah, 7.4, I was really shocked about how many, I mean, this is seen as a lot of people seem to like this movie, and I gotta tell you, uh, I thought it was a little boring. And I'm gonna read to you guys and say some things that, honestly, I these were probably the biggest problems I had, and I've gone over a few of them. Uh, so, one thing, one line that kind of irked me a little bit was the constable, after seeing, after these two guys kill themselves, and he asks, did you do this, did you do this, like that, uh, they lock him up, and so the deputy, Hatch, is obviously concerned and says, uh, is he gonna be okay? And he's all, well, he's behind bars, isn't he? Like, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be, like, smug or, so or s something, like, a, geez, I can't believe this is happening, like, oh my gosh, wow. Uh, the acting... Uh, and the reacting to scenarios, I thought was kind of weird. You know, the choices they made weren't that great, because, I mean, there's a lot of times when it's like, why are you acting like this? You know, like, they completely believe the the lady, and also when he says someone killed Miss Claridge, they just act like, oh, you're just playing a little prank, aren't you? Which, I mean, maybe, depending on the kid, but still, like... I mean, I know my parents... If someone said that, they'd be, are, are you serious? You know, I can't believe that. I mean, they just act like, oh, geez, here's this kid again. Uh, you know. So, they know he's psychic way too fast. I'm not sure how they really figure that out. I told, the only reason I think that, uh, a lot of the scenes are, like, there's really a lot of pointless scenes to it. Uh, you know. There's really a lot of pointless scenes. There's a lot of just, like, the snow and, uh, just a lot of scenes of just snow falling and slow pans around the, around the town. And there's this one mayor that they just love to, like, just zoom in on his face. There, are, I can't tell you how many times I have seen that dude's face super close up. It's, like, they just use the exact same shot on him every time. And, but, you know, again, I, I... I get you, I understand that they have to fill a 266-minute, I mean, that's a mini-series, and I know it's really hard to do that, but the truth is, I mean, there really aren't, I mean, there's only a couple side plots, uh, for instance, the girl who killed her boyfriend, they had, like, a little bit of drama going on over there, but, I mean, look at Stranger Things, there's a lot of, like, other stuff going on, too. And I think they did that pretty well. Uh, but I mean, this just has kind of one thing going. Um. So if, 
Uh, the characters mysteriously just find out I said that. So, they really, I'm not sure how they figure out this guy's psychic, because they, I mean, this is one of the only reasons, this is a reason I think they might think he's psychic. They don't guard the kids at all. And when they, when a kid goes, like, when a kid was missing for a couple times, they just said, oh, he's probably upstairs. Like, there are people dying, and you're just like, oh, he's probably upstairs. Like, she didn't even freak out that much. Didn't freak out at all, I'd say. And I mean, again, this kind of ties in with the whole acting thing. Uh, and, you know, in that scene where we see what Linoge looks like for the first time, we hear the wolf cane. And, you know, I gotta say, the wolf cane does not sound like a wolf. It sounds like a velociraptor or something. Like, it's like, screeching. Like, you think you could make it snarl, maybe? Like a wolf or just resemble a dog noise? And, you know, you'd see it and you'd think, oh, you know, low budget, right? Nope. This had a budget of $35 million. You know, one thing I, I said I liked the Roanoke Colony tie-in, and I that almost and one thing I really liked was uh, the reporter. This reporter, I like the... So in the dream, we see this dream that all the people have, and this is how they... This is when I think they should have started realizing Linoge was psychic, when everyone has the same dream of people killing themselves. And saying, we're sorry, Linoge. Because he controls that dream. And you'd think right there is when something psychic was going on. But nope, way before that, they start, like, saying, oh, that they start doing stuff that would make you think that they know this guy's psychic. But I really do like the makeup effects on this guy, on the reporter. It took me a while to really realize that, oh, this is Andrew Linoge. The time I realized it was, he said, so... He keeps squashing this kid's uh, dreams to play basketball for some reason. His name's Billy, I think. His name's Billy. And um, so he goes, he's talking about the report, report, right? And I'm thinking, oh, right, you know, this reporter. And then he says, like, oh, I'm Casey Weathers. And remember, you're too short to play basketball, Billy. Uh, and that's when I realized, oh, this is... Uh, Andrew, Andre Linoge, and, sorry, Andre, I keep, there's so many names that sound like Andre, uh, I, I mean, and that really got me, I was like, oh, it's Andre Linoge, even looking at him, same on, and that, I mean, it's really good, it looks like, actually, if you've ever seen that Weird Al video for, uh, Fat, which is a really good effect, I think, I like that too, um, Yeah, I really like that effect, too. You know, just going to end on something good. All in all, I wouldn't say it's a horror-ible, horrible podcast, right? Or, horror, horrible podcast. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a horrible movie. Hor- I wouldn't, um, but, you know, I I thought it would have made an okay movie. I mean, no, no awards. I mean, it's nothing too new, really. Uh, I mean, there's not much that really is new about it. It's not, I mean, it, it doesn't incorporate a lot of things that we've, not too many things that's new that we've seen. I mean, again, I mean, it, some, just, just some Stephen King movies are just, are, are really long because of the book, you know? It's hard to turn like a 700-page novel, 800-page novel into, you know, an hour and something minutes. But I mean, a TV series, I really thought maybe could have had a few side plots or something to figure out. This was just one story, like, 
you know, Stranger Things is very long, but it also has a lot of side plots, too. Um, I didn't think, I mean, the only part I thought was really su suspenseful was, uh, the, was the rock scene, which, I mean, I thought, it, again, I'm just gonna say this one more time, I know I sound like a broken record, Again, I mean, the, the movie wouldn't have turned heads, but I just thought it was really boring as a 266-minute movie, which, again, over four hours, right? That's longer than Endgame. Um, but all in all, okay, I guess. Uh, and I just want to say thank you guys for listening. You know, this has been, been a really big dream of mine. I really like to watch, uh, you know, some scary movies. Uh, thank you for supporting the, um, this channel, and, uh, next, next podcast, we're going to be doing a review on the Ginger Dead Man, which stars Gary Busey in a role as an evil gingerbread man, I know, stick around for that one, uh, hopefully, and after that, I was thinking of doing one, uh, called Rubber, which is about an evil tire, so, thank you guys for, uh, listening, uh, hopefully you'll stick around in the future.